0: Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Roy Hodgson of the podcast, old but with a surprisingly eclectic career, and I'm joined by the 442-433 hybrid of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. What is he going to do next? No one knows. And finally, the away trip to London of the podcast, always accompanied by a sense of foreboding, it's Joe Hill. Joe, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm not bad, thanks. I'm all good. Um, I'd forgotten about that stat that uh, we've only won one of our last 20 games or so in London. I'd forgotten about that until this intro, so um, (laughs) yeah, hopefully we can get over that and beat the the curse of the capital, as I'm calling it.
0: I don't know whether or not um, it will continue with us in the Premier League, but it definitely was a thing in in the Championship, wasn't it? It's funny how Mm. six months can just make you completely forget about a
1: nemesis but i suppose here we are <laughs> tom how are you doing yeah not too bad just about recovered from being mauled by the foxes on monday mm. yeah and um how's the how's the bin schedule looking for tomorrow the bin schedule is it's all on track there are cans of beer everywhere up <laughs> not in the bin because it's overflowing and uh ready to be deposited mm. in the wheelie bin friday morning <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, really
0: a really interesting aspect to your to your life that we learned about this week. For those people wondering why I've asked the most bizarre of questions, if that seems like a scraping of the barrel for, for topics, that's because there's not really a lot going on since the last podcast we recorded two days ago. Um, there is one piece of news Rodrigo has COVID, Covdrigo, as I've put in the uh, running order. Very witty and that's terrible. It's, it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah how do we feel about this do we do we think there's a possibility that there could be a wider spread in the Legion-Eyed camp? I mean presumably we would have they've been tested and we would have heard about it by now um so I guess it means that the system works all right Joe
2: yeah, it does seem to be working all right when when you've we've seen that happen in other teams you know um it seems to be one maximum two players that seem to have it at any given time, so they obviously are doing a good job of keeping them distant when they're training and I think it's just something we're going to have to get used to and something we're going to have to accept that every team's going to have a player out because because of Covid at some point this season Um, and you're just going to have to deal with it so yeah hopefully he's the only case and he can come back after the international break and it'll all be fine again.
0: I guess that's an interesting question isn't it insofar as like what if you go through the Leeds squad and, and think Player by player, which one missing out would make the biggest impact? Um, I guess we talked a little bit about this sort of thing before in terms of squad depth. But um, Tom, how do you feel? How do you feel about that? The, just the possibility of maybe like losing a Mateus Click or something?
1: Yeah, I think Click would be a big one, or Ailing as well would be quite difficult to resolve. I think. Mm. Um, if I can just suggest an alternative bad joke, um, <laughs> you could have gone with COVID twenty, considering that's Rodrigo's uh, squad number. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, COVID nineteen is going to be great when Pablo Hernandez gets it right, but <laughs> at his great age, you, you don't want to wish that on anyone.
1: Yeah, we want to be careful with Pablo. We don't. We don't want him getting COVID. Although he's younger than me, so I shouldn't be saying that really. Yeah, well, he's six months older than me, so I just sort of hold on to that as <laughs> and always will be. Exactly the
0: promise that I could still make it in the Premier League. <laughs> Um, But no doubt the sense of the passing of time and the inevitable tramp towards death will uh, shit-stomp me at some point. Anyway. And
1: on to Crystal Palace.
0: (laughs) That does bring us to Crystal Palace. Yeah, you're right, Tom. Thank you for for making that segue very easy for me. This week I had the pleasure of talking to Ruben Pinter, who's a content creator for Football Joe, and this is what he had to say about Crystal Palace.
3: So Ruben, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, John. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad. I think we've uh, both been watching the US elections all day, so um, it's, we've managed to squeeze in 20 minutes later on in the day and uh, it looks a bit, it looks as though it's coming through for Biden, so I think we're both a little bit relieved, but we're also both a little bit zoned out at the same time.
3: <laughs> yeah, in much better spirits than I anticipated I would be.
0: Yeah, which I guess brings us on to Palace, because um, Leeds <laughs> and Palace both seven games into the Premier League season, we both have 10 points. Would you say that you view your start to the season as positively as Leeds fans will be viewing theirs?
3: I'm not sure. I I don't think the mood at Palace is overwhelmingly positive at the moment. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is at Leeds, um, among Leeds fans. But see, from a neutral point of view, looking at Leeds, people like we would assume that you guys are probably quite... Um, quite content with how you've started. You know, you've you've played really well against some very good teams, and you've kind of it's 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 a bit win lose draw win lose draw for Leeds at the moment. But and and obviously like, we've got the same number of points. But I think at Palace some of the the same same old problems um, are kind of lingering uh, with the one one draw against Brighton, which we almost ran away with all three points in that game. But like. I think we only had one shot on target that game, and it was a penalty. And that sort of lack of creativity, which really frustrates Palace fans a lot, is still lingering about. So, I mean, we're kind of we're we're happy with the points total that we've got at the moment. We've we were obviously buzzing to beat Man United early on in the season, first time we've done that I think since coming up. Um, and obviously thrilled to see Wolves are score against them. That's something that I've always wanted to happen since 2013, and it never mm. fucking does. But now. <laughs> Um, it did, so there's been some good moments and some, some disappointing moments and I think one of the frustrating things is that when we go a goal down, as we did against Wolves, obviously, you, you just know that we're not going to come back into the game because we're so reliant on um, sort of just defending, holding on to the, the draw and then trying to nick a win and as soon as we go a goal down we can't really cl- climb back into the game, mm-hmm. so that's going to be very um, important uh, when we play Leeds. Yeah, Palace
0: are an interesting team because they're one of the ones that I think are perennially cited as being the ones to go down. I mean, there's probably a few clubs that are like that, but do you think it's a little bit harsh, do you think, or do you do you feel as though every season you go into kind of thinking, well, this is another one where we're going to try and avoid relegation?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit harsh because if you look at the record uh, that we've had since coming up in 2013, we do tend to... Like, there was, there's a few seasons where we finished sort of 16th, I think, maybe under Pardue in 2016, when we reached the cup final, and then under Allardyce, we didn't, uh, I think that was the following year, we didn't climb too high, but we've had an 11th place finish in 2014, a 10th place finish, I think, in 2015. And 14th tends to kind of be the average, so you'd think that, given that, we would kind of shed that tag of being likely to go down but i think it's it's the fact that we we never score that many goals and we're very reliant on one player that it's quite understandable why people always expect us to go down and i i've i've said at the start of many seasons like our luck's going to run out eventually but it never it, it never seems to run out so um <laughs> it's a little bit harsh but i can understand why people look at our squad quite often and go Oh, surely this is the year they eventually go back down. Yeah. So, how are you feeling about Palace this season? What are your expectations
0: for the season as a whole?
3: I mean, avoid relegation is always the is always the the sort of target, I guess, which is slightly disappointing given how long we've we've been in the Premier League. We we all dream of a Europa League push, which shouldn't really be on be beyond the realms of possibility looking at the teams that have got into the Europa League you know I know Wolves are a slightly different case but they've got in there Burnley got in there one year and I mean I know it would you know qualifying for the Europa League does come with a lot of kind of knock-on effects in the league but I mean if that's not what you're going for then what's the point in being in mid table you know so I think that's what we should be going for but it's probably unrealistic so I imagine we'll finish 14th again this season. To be honest, um, our squad is stronger than it was last season. I think Hodgson actually said recently it's the strongest one he's had since he came. So mm. he better he better show that with with results and hopefully improve on last season.
0: The transfer window is still close enough for us to to remember it, um, whether for better or for worse. How <laughs> pleased were you with the transfer business at Palace this season?
3: I, I was pleased, to be fair. Um, Michi Batshuayi is a player who Chelsea fans seem very pleased to get rid of, but given how well he did when he was on loan here before, um, I think that's a very good signing for us. He's He hasn't scored yet. He's had three disallowed goals, all for offside, which were all pretty marginal. Um, all good finishes, though. One against Wolves, one against Brighton, and one against Fulham, I think. So... He's he's looked lively, um he's got a bit more quality than Jordan Ayu, who still has a role to play, so I think that's a good signing. Eze hasn't really got too many starts yet. I think he's got maybe one or two. Playing on the left of a four four two isn't really his best position, but mm. obviously he's still quite young and um, and he has looked bright when he's played. So I w- I'm pleased with Eze as a, as a long term signing, you know. Mm. And especially, like, Batchway still only 26 somehow. Eze's about 22. Bringing that average age down was really important because our squad is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, in the league, I think. Um, Nathan Ferguson, I was very pleased with. Shame not to see him play yet, still recovering from an injury. But having that kind of long term successor at right back has been something I've wanted to see for, for quite a few years because as much as. We all adore Joel Ward. We do have to improve on him eventually, and we did briefly with Juan bissaka and then we took fifty million for him from United, which we can't complain about. So, Ferguson's a good one, and the other one uh, that stands out obviously, Butland is like you know, second or third choice keeper. He's he's very he's rarely going to play. So, but Klein, um, I was surprised not to see more teams in the mix for Klein, and very pleased to to bring him home. Um, a lot of people might. Might have actually forgotten that he started at Palace because he moved to Southampton in I think it was 2012. Um, but yeah, he's he's looked good. He's started a couple of games already, uh, having not played for Liverpool for ages. Um, and it's great to see him back in uh, at Selhurst Park. So I think we've had a pretty decent window, all things considered, especially given the kind of you know financial restraints that everybody is under at the moment.
0: You've already mentioned uh, Roy Hodgson. You've got another season with, with Roy. How do you feel about Hodgson as your manager?
3: Football fans are fickle, aren't they? And, <laughs> uh, and I'm one of them. It, it varies so much. You know, like when when we take the Man United game at the start of the season, for example, we, we, we hold them off so well. We defend really well. We hit them on the break. We score three goals away from home and he's a genius. And then, you know, sometimes we just, we can't create any chances at all. And his substitutions are always quite late and they're quite small c conservative you know they're always it's always like oh okay let's bring on gyro redeveloped for one of our one of our central midfielders when we're chasing a goal and it's not that inventive but i think it's it's really tempting to want somebody a bit more adventurous but given the kind of the place that we're in as a club and and the value of retaining that premier league status i can understand why he's still there because you know i mean we haven't got down under him he's he's made us pretty solid and ultimately like we can't really have too many complaints but i would like to see us be a little bit more adventurous at times um going forward with the ball because um it's it's very it's very reliant on a couple of players doing something special um, when we go forward, whereas defensively we're extremely well drilled, and in attack it does seem a little bit um, a lot, yeah, a lot more off the cuff um, and reliant on Zahar obviously. So yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, but I, I'm not, I'm not Hodgson out by any stretch at the moment.
0: Tactically, where would you say Hodgson's Palace are right now? What are the basic ideas behind his team?
3: The basic ideas are stay compact, um, defend quite deep. We don't really have fast defenders or a team really capable of. Pressing high, so it's very much uh, he's 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 in the Deitch school of of defending um, in that sense, and it it switches between a four four two and a four three three because, I mean, it, it, Wilfred Zaha is kind of the reason that we play four four two because I think getting him away from the wing, like he's he's he is a winger, but getting him away from the wing allows him to pick up pockets of space where he's a lot less easy to sort of man mark or double up on. A lot of the time last season when we played 4-3-3, which was quite a defensive 4-3-3 with MacArthur and Kuyate as as the number eights, he was so often stuck out on the left and it was far too easy for teams to just mark him out of the game. So playing 4-4-2 allows him a little bit more freedom and Schlupp is kind of the perfect player for us to play on the left of that 4-4-2 because he can burst forward with the ball, which none of our other midfielders can do and it gives Wilf a little bit more opportunity to... Go drift, drift around wherever he wants, mm. but it's very much sit back, hit him on the break, hope Wilf does something special, um, and yeah, I mean it's pretty basic in that sense. Like we're we're not that far off Burnley, but we just maybe play it a little bit more on the ground because we don't really have a target man. Um, Bachway and Ayu don't really they they hold the ball up quite well when it's on the ground, but they're not they're not players that you that you'd lump it forward to, which is nice because for a long time that was uh, that was our tactic with with Christian Benteke. But not having him fit or in form has kind of forced Hodgson to play it on the deck a bit more. You
0: say that this is all very unexciting, but um, Leeds fans will be listening to this and cringing because they know that this is else as Kryptonite uh, teams that sit deep and can break um, with, through creative players or quick players. Um, how are you feeling about Leeds from that res- perspective?
3: <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely like this was watching Leeds play against um, City and Liverpool and Wolves. I just I'm just dreading this this game because we we can't we can't really press but I mean if if Leeds' weakness is teams that sit deep and hit you on the break then I'm a little bit more optimistic but I just think I just think going forward Leeds are going to cause too many problems for for our defense with their quick movement like I think Harrison is gonna is gonna cause Klein or whoever plays at right back a lot of problems um I, I don't think we'll well without Phillips being out is is kind of bonus for us i guess but um i think clicks looked quite impressive in that in that holding role so i don't think we'll be able to stem your build-up play at all but if if this is Leeds's kryptonite then (laughs) i'm a little bit more optimistic thinking that we can hit you on the break um i guess leeds have a couple of key injuries as well at the moment which might play into our favor but yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not confident put it that way
0: (laughs) You've already mentioned uh, that there's no real surprises when it comes to palace's structure um at the moment you're playing a largely four four two um style approach, uh, although I did see you came out four three three last week against wolves uh three four
3: three would you be would you be expecting to be back in four four two again this weekend I'm not sure to be honest because i mean that that system against wolves was the same it's the same lineup that can. Line up in a four-four-two. It just Schlupp was mm. just a little bit more tucked in, and Wilf was a little bit further out wide. So it's very kind of, it's a bit like, it's a little bit like a pound shot version of what Atletico Madrid do, where one of their wingers pushes forward, and one of their central midfielders who will be playing on the wing will tuck inside. So it kind of switches between the two quite often during mm. a game. Um, so I imagine, I imagine we'll probably go four-four-two, but it could change within the game. But I think expect to see Schlupp on the left with Wilf ahead of him kind of playing as a left-sided striker. Um, I don't know who's going to play in central midfield. I'm a bit gutted that James McCarthy is injured at the moment because I think his energy would have been quite useful. Um, But yeah, I I think probably 4-4-2. I'm not sure Hodgson will pay too much attention to Bielsa's um, sort of tactical approach and tweak his to accommodate it. I think it will be very much let's stick to what we do and not let them break us down. I don't think he's going to look at Bielsa's spare man at the back thing and say, all right, now we have to play two strikers. And I think he's just going to play them anyway, if, if that makes sense.
0: You mentioned that uh, last season Palace played a defensive 4-3-3, or I mean, at times it looked like a 4-1-4-1 yeah. last season. What do you think that brought about that change to the straight-up 4-4-2 this season?
3: Uh, it's hard to say. Maybe maybe Luka Milivojevic's dip in form, um, despite him having the captain's armband. Palace fans have grown a very, quite frustrated with him in recent months. He's he's got a lot more sloppy in possession. He's quite he's quite slow. He's not that mobile. Um, but he is still the only one that can play that sort of clipped pass over the top for the likes of Wilf and Baturay to run onto. So, I think his dip in form, the return of Schlupe from injury, um, and just. Zaha's poor numbers last season um, probably all contributed to Hodgson thinking we need to get Zaha in better positions if Luca's not uh, if Luca's not playing very well then we'll just play two central midfielders get Schluck back in the team um, and yeah it's that's that's probably the reason to be honest and I think it does work a bit better the 4 2 than what we were playing last season which at times was pretty turgid
0: mm. Um, I mentioned earlier that Leeds and Palace look very similar in terms of their league positions and their points. I was actually surprised that they also look pretty similar in terms of the underlying numbers, weirdly. Um, given that we're both creating and conceding similar XG values, uh, we're putting up the same numbers of shots, we're putting around the X, same XG value per shot this season as well so far. Um, for Leeds, the defensive side of their game has come discreetly, but I'd say probably a little bit more concerned about the attacking side of things Um you know the perennial problems we had last season in the championship where we created loads but we didn't take our chances uh, but this season actually we've not even been creating as many chances as we have um you've already mentioned that you're probably more worried about the attacking side of the uh, of the game with Palace would you say that the this season you are more worried about the attacking output than you are the defensive output
3: yeah probably um i, I think Michi needs to start scoring and staying on side hmm. um because at the moment it's a bit it's a bit Reliant on Zaha. Um I'm trying to think who else has scored any goals, to be honest. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, we we definitely need to improve an attack. We need a few more ideas. Um Townsend's looked pretty good this season, but um that is definitely it's always been well not always, but it, it's it's it is our weaker. As, uh, aspects of our game is is attacking. I think defensively we'll, we've always been we've got a reputation for being quite solid and quite resolute, and and I'd say that's deserved. But um, as I mentioned earlier, it's the fact that once we do go a goal down, it's very difficult for us to to climb back into the game, which is why I'm I'm quite um, worried about the Leeds game. But I was surprised to hear those numbers because it it's it just in in my mind you I just would not expect. Leeds and Palace to have such similar numbers in terms of like chances created and stuff, but at least you guys have a bit more fun watching, <laughs> watching that. <laughs> or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's equally frustrating.
0: No, no, it's been very fun. I just think we've been really overperforming the chances that we've had. I mean, in the first few games, we we scored seven games goals in the first two games, obviously, and we yeah. scored them from very little. Um, um, well, very low, low-rated chances per xG. So, I think we had a, we just went through a phase of sort of scoring everything, um, yeah. and then we have a game like we did um, against Leicester, where you know we just we didn't score our big chances, and um, yeah, I guess everything evens out in the end. But, yeah. yeah. Um, Wilf, let's talk Wilf Zaha because he's clearly an important cog in the Palace machine. Um, you've already mentioned that you're probably a little bit overly r- overly reliant on him for, for your um, creative output. How do you think Leeds should try and stop him from, from causing problems?
3: If Leeds can kind of shepherd him out wide and then have two players on him, that is the best way to stop him. Because he will just turn back in, dribble further back, further back, and the ball will end up back in central midfield. Um Leeds, obviously, are going to play a high line-ish and Bielsa is not going to compromise on, on his principles because of a player like Wilf, but watch for the ball over the top, I guess, because that's what we'll be looking for, is to expose that high line. Um, he'll be playing on the shoulder and looking to run in behind. So, um, but yeah, it's the, the the way that teams have sort of stopped him well in recent years is to, clo- is to close him down with two players very quickly, which... Um, I, I know, I know, he's not the best player in the world, but when we lost Yannick Bellassi and Townsend came in, um, as good as Townsend has been at times, that losing that kind of equally um, mercurial player on the other wing made it a lot easier for teams to just focus on shutting down on uh, Zaha. So, yeah, the Ailing versus Zaha is going to be an interesting battle, um, and. He will need a little bit of help, I think, um, which he will obviously get. You see the bodies that run back when Leeds lose the ball. Um, So, yeah, it's it's all about kind of getting more than one player uh, on him at once when he's got the ball and just watching that ball over the top, I think.
0: I was uh, interested to see where your creativity was coming from beyond Zaha this season. So I had a look at FB ref and, uh, that shows they've, they've got a nice metric there called shot creating actions, which just sort of looks at act- actions on the field that uh, will eventually result in a shot. Um, Andros Townsend is a good source of shot creating actions for you, but I was surprised to see actually Luka Milivojevic showing up well too. You've already mentioned that he had a bit of a, a blip in form last season. Um, and he's obviously been the loser from the shift to four four two this season because, uh, one of those spaces in the central midfield has sort of been given over as you said to Jeffrey Schlupp sort of moving inside Um, and Jairo Redewald has been has been playing quite well as well um, in in the return this season Um, Milivojevic has has been um, was sent off I believe against Wolves do you think he's going to be a big loss for you?
3: Not in this game, to be honest. Um, I think he would be a bit of a liability against Leeds. I think he's he's got a tendency to take a heavy touch. He's um, and throw himself into a tackle as a result of that. Um, the sending off was a bit harsh, by the way. But I mean, um, I I think the bigger loss is not having McCarthy, um, who has played in in Lucas' position and a little bit further forward. He's just a lot more mobile. Um, a lot more reliant uh, reliable in the tackle, um, although he can get a bit carried away sometimes. Um but Luca won't be too much of a loss, I don't think. Um he's uh, you know he he's he's liked at Palace but his his form has taken a real dip and um I think if we line up with a midfield of what will probably be Riedervald, MacArthur and Schlupp with Townsend on the right. Um mm that probably gives us the right amount of energy and and close control. Like Reid and MacArthur are quite quite good with the ball in tight spaces and Schlapp's obviously got um, a burst of pace, can break through the line. So I think that's probably our best combination against Leeds and injuries will probably force Hodgson to put that that combination of players out.
0: I noticed you've got a fair few long-term injuries at the moment. How are you looking injury-wise?
3: Not too bad right now. I mean, Ferguson's still not fit, um, but Patrick van Aanholt's come back. Uh McCarthy, as I mentioned, is is out. Um I think uh Hennessy's out, which is why we signed Jack Butland. That's not a loss at all though. Um <laughs> so we've got it, it's defensively more that's um that's the issue. I think Tompkins, um he, he's he's quite a big loss. So Scott Down, who you know, I mean we've we've replaced Scott Dan about three times and, and he's still he's still in the team. <laughs> um <laughs> incredibly. Um, and but interestingly Kuyate has actually dropped back into center back in the absence of Tompkins and I'm not sure whether Kelly and Sacco are 100% fit but Kuyate's actually been really good at center back because he he has a little bit more pace than the than, than the other more traditional center backs he's very tall he's got all the he's got all the ingredients to play in central defense and I think he's just not many managers have thought to play him in there before but he he makes up for a lot of Dan's lack of mobility um and he's he's filled in really well for Tompkins, so that's a bonus for us. Um, Van Arnholt, as I mentioned, has come back from his shoulder injury that he sustained last season, taking Tyrek Mitchell's place at left-back. Um, so we do have a few long-term injuries, but I think due to the slightly improved depth in our squad, then they're not really costing us too much because we can still put out a pretty good defence with Klein, Kiyate, you know, and, and the likes of um can come in for Luca and etc.
0: So how do you think you're gonna line up on Saturday then?
3: Um my prediction would be Guaita in goal, Klein, Cuyate, Dan, Van Arnholt, uh, MacArthur, Riederveld, Schlupp, Townsend, Batshway, and Zaha in a four four two slash four three three hybrid.
0: One of the questions I always ask our guests is which players do you think on the Palace team will need to perform well in order for you to beat Leeds? I think
3: Dan and Kiyote are going to have to be really careful with the ball um, just due to the amount of pressing that that Bamford does and Leeds do as a whole. Um, Klein's going to have his work cut out for him against Harrison. I really like the look of Jack Harrison and he's on a side note, is Jack Harrison right or left-footed? Because he seems like the most two-footed player in the world.
0: He's left-footed. Every right. player on our team is left-footed. Pretty much. <laughs> the front three are all left-footed. Yeah, which they are is actually,
3: weird. aren't they? Hmm. Um, okay, yeah. So, But I mean, he's got that brilliant goal with his right against Liverpool, didn't he? So um, yeah, Klein, Klein's going to have his work cut out for him. The centre-backs need to be really careful. Um, and yeah, and I guess Wilf's going to have to take his chances um, because I don't think we'll be getting too many of them. Um, could be wrong you know we, we might end up scoring three goals and by just lo- lobbing it over the over your defence <laughs> but I think the centre-backs and Zaha in particular are going to have to have good games
0: and uh, again I don't ask for predictions because you know anything can happen feel free to give a prediction if you want but what I do ask is how do you expect the game to go how do you expect it to unfold on Saturday
3: 95% possession for Leeds <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean Leeds will obviously dominate the ball. I'm thinking seventy thirty possession. If if the stats that you mentioned earlier, like you know, play out, then maybe we'll, we'll have a few shots each. But um, Leeds will create more chances, have more of the ball. But I think maybe the scoreline will only be separated by one goal, maybe two. Hmm. I think it will be that. That that is how most games that we play and go we have about 30% possession but it's always fairly tight like we very rarely get battered so yeah um, Leeds will dominate and probably win by a goal I reckon
0: Well Ruben it's been a a pleasure chatting to you Um, you cover all of Premier League football so if our listeners want to get any of your coverage what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Um, The best way for them to do that is to follow Football Joe on Twitter follow me on Twitter at Ruben Pinder that's R-E-U-B-E-N P-I-N-D-E-R Um, And yeah, follow Joe's channels on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can see my articles and uh, videos.
0: Well, as I've said, it's been a pleasure chatting, and I hope you manage to enjoy the game in some way or another, (laughs) in the same way that I hope that I do.
3: (laughs) Thank you very much, mate. Pleasure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the
0: wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. So that was Ruben Pinter, a content creator at Football Joe. And speaking of Joe, <laughs> look what a great segue that is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Joe, what did you make of that? It was, it was great. It was really interesting. Um, I really enjoyed what he had to say. Um, one, of the, one of the things it made me think about was um, the fact that this season, Leeds and Palace are sort of aiming for the same area um, in terms of what Ruben was saying. They're at sort of aiming for 14th. Um, and I'm sure lots of Leeds fans would be more than happy with that. Um, but it did make me think that Leeds are sort of only aiming for 14th because it's our first year back, and we'd hope after three, four, five years, if if we managed to stay up, that we would have some kind of forward trajectory, but Crystal Palace don't seem to have that, um, which I'm not sure whether that's to do with Hodgson or the players or um just where where they're at at the moment it just doesn't seem like they're they're necessarily on a on an upwards trajectory
0: that's interesting I, do you think that 14th most Leeds fans at the beginning of the season would have taken I, I, or maybe like a few games in do you feel as though Leeds fans were expecting more maybe the Leicester City um, result was a bit of a coming back to earth with a bump, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I think I I was personally always happy just to stay up, 17th, 16th, I don't really care, I'd be glad to stay up, but I think the mood the mood in the Leeds camp after the first sort of five or six games was that we can do better than this, looking at the openness of the league this year, the the crazy results that have happened, a lot of people have been eyeing sort of top 10, but I think it is important to stay realistic and just remind ourselves that at the start of the season... We would have easily taken fourteenth, fifteenth, and, and if that's where we we sit for a couple of months because of results, then you know we've all got to be perfectly happy with that. To be honest,
0: Tom, so, how surprised were you to find out that the underlying numbers for Crystal Palace and Leeds are very similar?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was quite surprised when I first when I read that earlier on in the week. Um, it's funny the, the question about um, you know would you take fourteenth because it's sort of. Predicated on an idea that if you take it, you don't get to watch the games. Like the games don't happen, and you you just. (laughs) So I think from that point of view only, I would rather just see what happens because even if we finish, you know, sixteenth, I'd rather that and actually experience the ups and downs rather than Mm. just. And and I think it almost seems like Palace are now in this position that's a bit like um, the sort of the Leeds post-Grace and pre-Bielsa era, where it basically seems like the same thing happens every season. with very slight variations, and mm. they're getting a little bit sick of it.
0: Yeah, and it's hard not to not to do that. I think, right? It, it, it's easy to just expect teams to have an upward trajectory, but it, it's that's easier said than done. And um, mm. I guess Palace are in an interesting point, right? Because I think with Hodgson, they've got a manager who is going to solidly keep them in that sort of thirteenth, fourteenth position um for for season after season but um one fan bases don't exactly um aren't exactly enamored by the idea of constantly finishing in that sort of mid-table position um but also like what do you do like who do you bring in what what do, what, what sort of risk do you take the risk of, of of maybe a more interesting manager um who may get you relegated
1: yeah and they tried that with De burden didn't they and mm. it went. Awfully cataclysmically <laughs> wrong. So, um, and then quickly, but did they hire Hodgson directly after that, or was there someone? In, or was it? I think they went. They went straight for Hodgson, didn't they? I was Pulis in between. I thought they went straight for Hodgson as a sort of interim,
0: and right all this yeah, time later, he just... he's still there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess they're in that sort of situation where you don't really want to upset the apple cart because you, you're sort of solid, solidly chipping away and, and keeping the team up, and mm. you know anything other than that is. Um, it is a bit more of a, of a risk but I, I do think Hodgson is an interesting manager we mentioned in the intro that he's um he's got a weirdly eclectic career he spent time in Scandinavia and spent some time out in I think he was in Japan at one point um and he's he's clearly a, a sort of outward looking internationalist individual he he speaks a lot of languages off the back of that career he's always made the effort to to learn the languages of the places that he's been Um. And so, despite the fact that he's thought of as a dinosaur he um he isn't quite in the same mold is he, as he is as your sort of pullises and your Allardyces, he, despite the fact that he will happily play a four four two or a, a a sort of solid four three three he'll happily coach his teams in very defensive um structures, but then you don't get the sense that he's doing a huge amount of uh, of sort of t- attacking into play work um so so yeah how do we how do we feel um do do we do we feel as though people perhaps underestimate him Tom
1: Yeah I think so like in many ways I mean Hodgson is actually quite similar to Bielsa I think you know in the fact that he has globe trotted throughout his career and he has a very set idea of how he wants to play the game um, I remember hearing stories about when Hodgson first got the England job about how he works in training and it involves players being physically tethered to each other with ropes mm. um, and practicing defensive structure that way so they literally can't you know move too far apart and uh, they keep that compact shape um, and apparently his training is just relentlessly boring like it's the same thing every week and players do get a bit sick of it but as long as it's working they're happy to go along with it mm. and and yeah I, I'd And and another way they're quite similar, like you would want both of them to be your granddad, wouldn't you? Like if you could have granddad Hodgson and granddad Bielsa on each side of the family, then it would be fun visiting both of them. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, Hodgson probably spends a bit more time at the golf club. Bielsa um, will will show you some interesting art films. (laughs) Bios will take you to his local cafe, wouldn't he, and, and get you a nice steak. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, now I'm thinking about steak.
1: Yeah, I, I think Hodgson's an interesting guy. And and one thing that stuck out to me from the, um, uh, from the interview that you did was uh, he was talking about Zaha playing up front because it makes it harder to double up on him. Um, and I was thinking that actually against Leeds, that's going to make it easier for us to double up on him. Um, than it would if he was playing on the wing, because that'll mean that we'll probably play a back three, and then we've got that spare man at the mm. back anyway. So, um, for, yeah, it almost works the other way around. Mm. Back to the uh, the underlying numbers, then, Joe. In terms
0: of the fact that you know we sort of think of Leeds as being a very creative team and and um, giving up maybe giving up more chances. Um, than then they might want to. I mean, I know that's a media narrative that we probably don't buy into. Um, whereas you would think of as Palace as a team that probably don't give up loads of chances, but probably don't create many either. How surprised were you to hear that, that actually, in terms of underlying numbers, XG and shot creation, Palace and Leeds are uh, not far off each other this season?
2: Yeah, it was quite surprising, yeah. Um, when I looked into the individual matches that Palace had played... Um, I was quite surprised to see they'd had plenty of shots on targets for example in the Fulham game um, I think they had a few shots on target and quite quite a lot of shots on goal and I think it was the same I think they had a few against Wolves and when they played Everton so they they are creating a lot of chances and Zaha has been great this season I, I don't know how many goals he's got but he's certainly got a few and a, and a few assists as well Um I think naturally I I would have liked to think that Leeds created more and and had a tighter defence, but maybe that just is another sort of Thing to bring us back to earth about Leeds this season that we are more in the ballpark of the teams like Crystal Palace and those kind of lower mid-table teams than you know Man City and Liverpool we're not going to be creating that kind of xg every single game
1: the numbers are still quite nascent as well aren't they yeah, even yeah. I know I know we have played more games it's, it's not like we play one or two games but the things do like flatten out a lot more after like 20 games don't they mm. then you'll still mm. see some variation at this point
0: point. and we've also played Liverpool and Manchester City whereas they've played Manchester yeah. United as their top six contender so you, yeah I suppose that it all comes into it that way um, it's another deep lying team who like to pick teams off on the break though um, which as we have started calling it is Bielsa's kryptonite how worried does that make you uh, Tom?
1: yeah worried um, I, I, I do think um, Palace, it's a, it's another kind, it's another sort of profile of team that we've not quite faced in the Premier League yet. In that they they play defensively in the same way that Wolves and Leicester do, but with nowhere near the same standard of player. So it'll be interesting to see where that comes in this sort of a the the Championship to Premier League sort of a gradient. Where, you know where they sit in that like whether it'll be like we're playing one of the better, like would it be similar to us playing forest for example uh in the championship or will it be more like playing wolves like I'm not, I'm not quite sure how big the step up in quality is there so it'll be interesting to see that i guess um
0: the fact that that leicester city took us apart and i think perhaps that 4-1 scoreline, it's easy to say is flattering but i do think it especially having rewatched the game on a number of occasions now to do the video analysis. Um, and again, easy for people to say, well, you know, Brendan Rodgers got his tactics right. But in terms of the, the sort of counter um play that people associate with Leicester, they didn't actually really... They, they did it on one occasion, I think, really, um, in the in sort of classic sense. And so um, I, I guess Leeds fans may be a little bit more tentative about the idea of playing a deep line team that hits you on the break at the moment than than maybe um, they would had we not played Leicester and been turned over. But, um, Joe, how are you feeling about about another prospect of us, particularly not even in terms of having to defend um, a a creative outlet like um, like Zaha is, but having to create chances ourselves against two lines of four or a line of four and five, um, which is proving to be quite tricky for us this season.
2: Yeah, I mean we were doing that in the championship basically every week. Um I think it's important to remember that you know it's 80 90% of the teams that we faced were playing that way. Um and obviously it's a different caliber of team. Um but Crystal Palace aren't on the best team in the Premier League. They're not a top 6 side. Um they they would maybe be comparable comparable to the top 3 or 4 teams in the championship. Um so, in that sense, I'm, I'm not quite as worried as I was about the Leicester game, um, because I don't think they'll be as good as Leicester were uh, in their defensive shape and in their counter-attacking. Um, but having said that, I would much rather that they did come out at us a little bit, because it is very frustrating to watch those kind of games, especially if they happen to get a goal and then they start time-wasting and playing for fouls, and I just don't really like to watch those kind of games that much.
0: Well, let's talk about Palace tactically. Ruben mentioned that, that Palace have been playing mainly a four-four-two 2 this season. Um, and they played largely 4-3-3 last season. But he didn't talk about this sort of hybridity where you can shift from the 4-4-2 to the 4-3-3 quite easily. You can um, you can push Andros Townsend forward alongside the two strikers and then shift Jeffrey Schlupp in as a as a, an outside midfielder in a three. Um, do we have any sense that, that we should expect the 4-4-2? To me, it just sort of feels that... that the 4-4-2 is a sort of go-to um, formation, and the only I think the only time really that um, Hodgson has deviated so far this season is when they came up against Wolves 3-4-3. He decided to go with the 4-3-3 um, for some reason, or maybe he just wanted the extra man in the midfield areas. Um, it feels to me like the 4-4-2 is what we should probably expect. It does do you have any reason to to disagree with me, Tom?
1: No, not particularly. I mean. Not being massively up on Palace, it's, it seems like it probably will be the four four two. Mm, yeah, and then as a result of that, how do you
0: see us approaching them tactically? Do you think we could see the three three one three?
1: I think so. Yeah, um, it, it's prob it's, it's the most likely formation I think. Um, and I know uh, we we're talking about we're going to talk about how that could happen. You know what that could look like. And um, I was I was thinking that this might be. If, if Bielsa doesn't want to change the starting lineup too much, this might be a time when we do see Shackleton playing at right-back because that would also allow us to switch to a back-four if we need to. Uh, we could play Dallas at left wing-back, um, Shackleton at right wing-back, Ailing as the right side, uh, right-sided um, centre-back, and then uh, either Stroy can click or click and Pablo in the middle. And then we would have the personnel to switch to a back-four very easily if we needed to. So to me, that seems like a really good way to go about it, um, obviously he could decide to play Alioski at, at left wing back and move Dallas over instead. But I don't think that gives us quite as much tactical flexibility within the game. Yeah, do you think that's uh, that's an interesting an
0: interesting one because we don't think we've seen Jamie Shackleton in the in the sort of inverted wing back that we play in the three three one three, and um, I think he would work quite well there. Um, we saw Adam Forshaw. I know I was bang on about Adam Forshaw playing in that role in the Cagliari game in the pre-season last season um but that does seem to seem to be the sort of the the prototypical um idea of what um a, a, an inverted wing back should be in in that uh, 3-3-1-3 system um Joe you 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 expecting the 3-3-1-3 as well first outing this season do you think that'll be fun something fun to look out for
2: yeah, I think I, I am expecting to see that if if Palace come out as a 4-4-2. Um, one thing I was thinking about was whether... Because when we play that formation, Bielsa often doesn't change the personnel to what we'd expect it to be. He sort of keeps it the same as if he was playing a back four and everyone just plays slightly different roles. So I was wondering if we could... If we have our back four of Ailing, Cock, Cooper and Dallas... Um, and they can just shift into a back into a back three with Dallas just pushing up to become one of the, the second line. And Ailing goes to, uh, to right centre back. And I think that would be a, a good way of countering Palace's sort of hybrid. Because as Ruben was saying, they kind of do a hybrid. Sometimes it's a four four two, 2 sometimes it's a 4-3-3. Um, and so I think we might even see Leeds doing a kind of hybrid to match that, changing several times during the game.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. And like you say, Ruben did say that there's um, the ability to shift between those two formations within the game. And I just wondered if we had any ideas about how, like, how will Bielsa respond to that if if it does happen? If if they do sort of shift into a four-three-three, obviously that will mean that he needs to go back to a back. Four and I suppose if you've got Ailing as a right centre back, you can just sort of shift him across, and then whoever's playing left wing back can can move in as 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 the left back. And um, if you're playing with that sort of um, asymmetric wing back system, I, I suppose the the other wing back is then basically a, a central midfielder, and then you you're sort of matching them as as you would. Um, I, and then then yeah, with the the three up front, it's not going to change obviously because the four. At the back is going to stay the same for Palace either way. Um, Tom, have you got any thoughts on on how we would deal with the, that that sort of sort of shift?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's why I I prefer the idea of Shackleton playing than Alioski because if we play Alioski, then the player that's pushing into midfield is going to be Dallas, and I'd rather we were pushing Dallas back to left back and Shackleton coming into midfield than uh, pushing Alioski back to left back and Dallas coming into midfield. Personally,
0: the other. Person that we need to talk about is Wolf Zaha. We've we've had a few games now this in the last few weeks, um, where we've seen Leeds having to deal with a creative outlet. Uh, I think we did we dealt with Jack Grealish fairly well. To be honest, um having again having done the video analysis of the game against Leicester, I thought we dealt with Vardy fairly well. Um obviously in those situations where he's pulled off um Great passes and stuff. Uh, there's, there's not much you can do about that, but I, th- I think in terms of keeping someone like Vardy quiet, um, stopping him from running in behind you, we only allowed it once, I think, in the whole in the whole game, um, which is which is pretty impressive. And I think the um, the um, doubling up on him that you get through the the partial libero libero system is is pretty useful for players like that. So, um, how are we feeling about keeping Zaha quiet, Tom?
1: Yeah, I think I jumped the gun a little bit earlier with my take on this, but um, I think playing a back 3 will help us with that because if he's if he's playing up front because we'll have that spare man at the back who can double up on him as and when mm. is ne- it's needed um if they do uh spring a surprise and play the 4-3-3 from the start it might be a bit more difficult but um whoever's playing at left back whether it's Dallas or Alioski will just need to be very switched on I think and and if he's playing on the right wing it might be more a case of um either Cooper or whoever's playing in the defensive midfield slot we'll need to double up on him at times as well. Yeah, I'm not sure which side he's played, actually, this season. I I would... Oh, yeah, good point, actually. I
0: instinctively think of him as a left-sided player. Yeah. In which case, I think, it, again, it won't make a difference because I think it'll just be Luke Ayling in, e- in either spot, either as the right-sided centre-back or um, the, the right-back. So, mm. um, we can check that up. Um, but, yeah, Joe, I'll pu- push over to you. How are you feeling about Zaha?
2: Yeah, I, was, I had the same thought process in that um, I thought Zaha was more of a left-sided player and that and then Luke Ayling will be marking him either way, which actually makes me feel a bit better, knowing that we have an experienced player um, who's going to be man marking him. I'd rather that than sort of um, Alioski or possibly Stroik or Cock, who's new in- into the team. I think Ayling is probably the the my number one choice for who would mark Zaha out of our whole squad. Um, so that does make me feel a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I just looked it up, and he does—he has been playing on the left, I think. I think I was. Uh, I've become too beelified and expecting wingers to play on their strong foot when that isn't really the. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not what they usually do nowadays, is it? Yeah.
0: So in that case, then he will be playing up against probably Luke Ailing. Um, so how do we feel about that? I think we we pointed this out in the review podcast that it felt as though Ailing was a little bit off it on on um, what day was it Monday? <laughs> I'm getting so confused about when we played. Yeah. So how do we feel about the prospect of Zaha versus um, versus Ailing, uh, Joe?
2: Yeah, I I feel good about it. I think um, Ailing's been one of our most consistent players the past few years. Um, he's developed unbelievably um, under Bielsa, and he might have had a, a a poor game against Leicester, and and that happens. And it's just important to remember that that's going to happen to everyone over the course of the season. Um, but as I was saying earlier, I think he's my number one choice for man marking Zaha. So it couldn't really couldn't really work out much better for me in that sense
1: yeah, I, f- I feel very much the same way. I agree he was poor on Monday. um and I think ailing sometimes suffers from a similar thing to Pablo, where he's always trying things with when it with the ball, and his passing is also not as good as Pablo's. so it will it will occasionally look like he's really fucking things up when actually he's trying to do interesting things and his technique just lets him down on occasion.
0: Yeah, I also mentioned, I think, on the podcast that it felt as though he was just a little bit lacking, a little bit of sharpness in terms of like off the ball stuff. Um, I don't know why that might be the case, whether or not you know it's just a bad night for him. But um, hopefully, he'll be sort of back, back on the sharpness um, uh, this week. But we'll we'll see how that goes in terms of outside of Zaha. Where do you think the threat is coming from for Palace? I just spent a bit of time trying to find out, as I said, where where the creative um, impetus is coming for. Palace and it seems as though it's sort of Andros Townsend end slash Luka Milivojevic who obviously isn't playing because he is has a suspension for a red card so um, where do we think the threat is coming from outside Z- Zaha Tom?
1: Yeah it does sound like it's just going to be Townsend who is obviously a player um, an incredibly inconsistent player but on his day he can hurt any team just he's got incredible pace and he can he does have the technique to hurt teams when when he manages to put it together, but he's, he's just one of those really frustrating players, isn't he? That, I mean, he obviously did play for Leeds for a brief time, but I think if he was at Leeds for a, a long period of time, he's just one of those players that you'd be shouting at every other game, like, how are you so shit? And then occasionally do something really good. So hopefully he won't have one of those days on Saturday.
0: Square it, Haddy type of player. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: I suppose uh, that, that the way that Palace will play will be potentially uh, problematic for the the Leeds man marking approach um I guess when you have players like Zaha who has a level of freedom that you can move around I know that we we know that I mean if again the video analysis I did of of the game against Leicester you can see the fullbacks are coming up against really really narrow wide forwards and there was there was points in the game where you could see Stuart Dallas was further over um to the right than than Luke Ayling was uh which is <laughs> kind of crazy um but when you have players like Zaha, who has a level of freedom, you have players like um, Townsend again, who could could be playing as a as an outside um, in a midfield four, or could be playing as the outside of a front three. Um, I guess again, there's going to be questions about who's who's marking who, um, whether or not they can they can lose their markers and cause problems that way. How do we feel about that, Joe?
2: Well, Leeds are very comfortable with our man marking system at, at this point. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, So in a way, I I don't don't really mind um, them all moving around a lot, Um, especially if we we do have players of Ailing's calibre on players like Zaha. Um, I don't think that'll be too bad. Um, Just coming back to Townsend, one thing I wanted to mention was um, that he's definitely got a screamer in his locker. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, he scored that volley, I think it was against Man City, that was unbelievable. And it comes off the underside of the bar and it always looks better when it does that but um yeah I just wanted to mention that on the on the off chance that he scores a wonder goal uh, on Saturday then uh, I've, I've made my point <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean like Stuart Dallas has won the goal from outside the <laughs> box this week
2: huh? <laughs> yeah incredible incredible technique so we've talked about the defense in back
0: for uh, back three sorry so it sounds like we're going to go with Ailing as an outside right centre back and then uh, Koch in the middle and then Cooper on the outside left uh, what we haven't talked about is the central defensive midfield position because I think this is definitely one that's up for grabs we we We've seen um, Pascal Strouk take the position and uh, Mateus Klick take the position as well in um, in the post-Calvin Phillips injury um, uh, context. Tom, how do you feel about this? Who would you like to see playing central defensive midfield?
1: I think I'd like to see Strouk um, starting there with the Pos with thinking about maybe bringing Pablo on if it's not working um and and pushing Click back. I've been thinking about this quite a lot um the, and the way Click plays the position um and it seems to me that although they take up very similar body sh- he takes up a very similar body shape to Calvin Phillips in that they'll always turn sideways onto the ball ready to receive it because that's what Bielsa likes players to do but um it always seems like Click's instinct is, is to sort of slightly drive, look like he's about to drive forward when he's going to receive the ball. Whereas when both Calvin and Stroik play in that position, they, their body language is more like they might move slightly backwards after they've received the ball. Um, And, and that seems to me to be one of the fundamental differences and why um, it might just be an aesthetic thing, but click there just makes us appear less solid, even if it's not necessarily the case, because... he there's something about his body language, as I say, that makes him look like he he's about to go forward. And um, rather than the sort of, yeah, al- the almost more centre-back-like um, way that both Phillips and Stroik deal with it, I think, where they're, they're always worrying about someone coming in behind.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, th- I think as well, you know, like when Click, it's easy to think of players as positions, right? But Click is usually playing in a situation where he is expected to get the ball... Face to goal, um, and so just being able to play in that in that deeper position where he is expected to be and let's face it that, that that role is is very much being a facilitator to get the ball into the fullback areas so that we can build up down the fullback areas um, which is different from click because click is supposedly receiving the ball from the fullbacks um or, or from the central defensive midfielder in situations where he then can can um, facilitate the movement into the the wide areas um further down but he, he's also expected to you know pick the ball up towards goal look up and try and create something and i think it's very obvious that he does that and um, the other thing that I, I've noticed is I just don't think Click is good enough defensively and um, he, he had a good game in that role against Villa but he came on he only started playing the role 20 minutes in um, didn't have a huge amount to do because he wasn't put under a huge amount of pressure by Villa I didn't think in that space and then when you're talking about um, the, the Leicester game he was overloaded but pretty much two on one in most situations where uh, Leicester came through um, after turning us over in transition. And there's a few examples of him just not picking up his marker, um, particularly for the Yuri Tielemans goal where he's just he's just a full five meters away from the player that he's supposed to be marking. Um, and that's what I like about the prospect of stroke, I think because you know you wouldn't even if even if the ball were to fall and stroke to be man marking and you know it's really hard to mark in those situations where you're both reacting and all the player has to do is just tap it in. I would rather see the player you know, attempting to make the situation difficult rather than just being five yards off the play um, as well. So I, I would probably um, favour favor Strack for that reason as well. Now, that, that said, obviously, I don't think Palace are going to be putting us under quite the uh, offensive pressure that, that, that Leicester were. So maybe it will um, work the other way. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on Click as a as a defensive prospect.
2: Yeah, I, I would keep Strouk. Uh, well, not keep him in. But I would, I would put him back in um, because I think that means Click can play in his normal position. Um, I personally don't really like to see that thing where all the players swap positions and they're all playing out of position. I would quite like to keep it. Let's have the most players in their normal position and just bring in a like for like. So in that sense, I think Strouk coming in would allow Click to play in his normal number eight position. And like you say, if, if that goes forty five minutes, sixty minutes and it's not working and we do need some more energy, we know we have the option of Shackleton coming on and Click can drop deeper and give it a go. But um I think considering how it went against Leicester, I think um we we need to reset and go back to what we know in terms of where Click's playing.
1: I also think there aren't many better substitutes to have available than Pablo Hernandez against the deep line defense and taking Pablo Hernandez off after 60 minutes and bringing someone on is never going to have quite the same effect against the tired defense so I like the idea of having Pablo available to come on and change the game if needed
0: let's talk about the wider selection then um if we're not going to play Pablo in the in the in that sort of 10 spot who do you see playing there Tom
1: well it'd be click right because if we play Strout. And it would be a click because it's only really a two-man midfielder for mm-hmm. playing a back three. So yeah,
0: uh, and then in terms of the wider squad selection in front of that, um keeping the
1: wingers the same. Yeah, I can't see anything changing. I mean, Rafinha might be available again after an ankle injury, but I can't see him coming into the team. Yeah. Any other advances on that, Joe?
2: Well, I was just wondering, Tom, if if that was the formation, then who who else are you playing? Who who are you bringing into the
1: team? So I'm I'm thinking about the back three we talked about: Dallas at left back, Shackleton at right back. Uh, oh, okay. Strike and and click in midfield and then the front three. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the other option would be Alioski at left back and Dallas at right back.
2: Yeah, I like that. I like. I I, I wouldn't mind seeing Shackleton in that position, to be honest. Um, but I've got a feeling. My gut says that um, Bielsa will effectively line them up like it. It's going to be a back four, so it'll be Ailing, Cock, Cooper, Dallas, Strike, holding, and then click and Hernandez playing as the two eights or eight and a ten and then, if necessary, make a hybrid back three from the, those same players. Um, that's that's kind of my gut of what will happen.
1: I, gu- I guess I just feel like if that happens, then who's playing right wing back and who's playing right wing, right? Because you can drop Costa back, but then no one's playing on the right wing. It just doesn't feel like Pablo is the player hmm. to have moving around to make that work to me.
0: You'd have to move Dallas across to the right wing back position, and then you've got no one yeah. on the left wing unless you bring... You could maybe bring Harrison, Harrison back and then push Costa yeah. across to the other side, and then have Hernandez as a right-sided wide player. But I it just
1: feels like with that lineup, there's way more moving around to yeah, 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 change yeah. formation than if than if we start with yeah. What I, either of the options I said, but I mean, I, I don't claim to have any great knowledge of what's going to happen. It's just what I would personally like to see.
0: Yeah, putting my um, eggs on the line or whatever the metaphor is, uh, <laughs> I would probably go with yeah, what you've said. Tom in terms of the, the back three as, as you suggested, but I think we'll probably go with Dallas just because that's what we've, we, we just know that Bielsa is going to probably prioritize Dallas and Ali the over Shackleton um, potentially. But I, I too would like to see Shackleton played as that um, outside or inside wing back. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see, just wait for it this now to just be a palace coming out in a completely different formation and us playing something <laughs> like the four four two or something. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it'll be fun to see how 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 it sort of basically transpires. In that instance, if we we if we come out in these formations, which players are we expecting good performances
1: from or which players will
0: need to play well for us to beat Palace, Tom?
1: Luke Ayling, definitely. Um, considering that Zahar will be playing on the left wing. Um and whoever plays in defensive midfield, I think just not 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 so much in terms of the game, but it just seems like a sort of nebulous position at the moment. No one's quite nailed it down since Cal- Calvin's been injured. So uh, it would be nice to see someone stake a real claim for that position. And also, I think personally, and in terms of narrative, it's quite a big game for Patrick Bamford because he seemed to have a particularly horrible time when he was on loan at Palace uh, in the Premier League under under um, Alan Pardew. So I'm sure he'd like to stick one to them.
2: I think based on what Ruben was saying um, with Klein at right back, for Palace um it'd be good to see Harrison have a good game like Ruben mentioned a couple of times that um that was sort of a danger battle from Palace's point of view that they are a bit concerned about Harrison coming up against Klein um so I'm quite looking forward to seeing that because I, I admit I, I don't really know much about Klein um so if Harrison can can uh, get some good 1v1s and sort of get round him then I think that could lead to some big chances it's
1: funny opposition fans always mention Harrison don't they like or it yeah. seems that way that, that opposition fans rate high, Harrison higher than Leeds fans do. I don't know if it's cuz he's a bit of a highlights real player. He does do some really silky stuff at times.
0: I think for most of them the first view that they had of him was him scoring against Liverpool mm. in that way and they just expect that he does everything right. <laughs> <laughs> he does three elite elite uh, game actions in a row like he did in that <laughs> go- goal every time. But uh, yeah, it is I think Harrison is a, is an interesting one cuz it's easy to focus on the sort of breakdowns with him whereas um, I think what I'm realising more and more is that just his off the ball stuff just more than makes up for any sort of fluffed control and indecision about whether or not to cross or not cross or not shoot as we like to say Mm. Um, but yeah it will be interesting to see how he plays Um, how are we expecting the game to unfold on
1: Saturday Tom same old isn't it they'll be sitting deep looking to counter we'll be trying to attack and if we get the first goal it might end up looking quite easy if they get the first goal it's going to be awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah joe how are you feeling about that
2: yeah exactly the same it's just it's just like uh the championship it just it just reminds me of the championship <clears throat> i remember thinking this about every single game that we've played where if we get the first goal and they come out at us then you know it's going to be great um and if they score and they end up time wasting and all, all that rubbish then uh it's going to be frustrating and I think it's going to be nil-nil at half time. That's my sort of mini prediction, um, and then hopefully we can open them up in the second half once Bielsa makes a few changes. Yeah, mm.
1: funnily I think that would suit us actually. Uh, I, I think just not conceding in the first 10 or 15 minutes after Leicester is quite mm. important. I think because we don't want to, we don't want that to become a psychological thing where we're shitting ourselves for the first few minutes of every game. Mm.
0: Uh, I don't know if you saw, but my good pal Nathan Clark co-opted the Donald Trump tweet about mail-in ballots and tweeted, "How come every time the opposition shoots, they are so devastating in their percentage and power of destruction?" Which I thought, um, you know, really sums up the way that we felt last season in the in the championship. And I wonder whether or not that's going to happen this time around. Will Palace be so devastating in their percentage and power of destruction? So I think I'll leave us on that with that metaphor and uh, bid you all that you enjoy the game, regardless of what happens just a few pieces of housekeeping before we finish up keep an eye out for the tactics thread that should be out it'll probably be out tomorrow morning uh, as per um, if you like our stuff and you want to get more of it then do head over to our Patreon I've just put up a I, and I've alluded to the video analysis that I did of the Leicester game uh, there's actually quite a few interesting tactical things going on in that game so do head over there and check it out we've also got an interview this week with focus on leads Thomas Wilson uh, about the under 23s in particular just focusing on their season so far and some of the players that um, we've been impressed with this season so if you if either of those sound interesting head over to patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we and check it out three people who have done that this week are Benedict Picard Sam Day and Barry B uh, so thank you guys for, for joining us right that's it that's the um, the All-Stats Way preview for the uh, Crystal Palace game this Saturday lunchtime uh, lunchtime it's not lunchtime 3pm 3, 3 is, is a continental yeah. lunchtime so we'll call it a continental lunchtime <laughs> uh, kickoff. Um, we'll be back on Sunday I think with a review episode so all that remains for me to do is to say thank you Tom see you later and
2: thank you Joe Thanks very much.
0: And up the mighty whites.